ladies and gentlemen, this is Jordan Suami. And this is James Rathbone. And you're listening to Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop, where it's been, where it's going, and where it is. Man, it has been a wild week. James. Yes. Oh, my God. This is, like, what we live for. Honestly, this is, like, one of the craziest weeks in hip-hop in recent memory. Yes, absolutely. And the day that this drops, this episode will drop, Kanye's new album will be out. It's true. And hopefully uh, you guys are still interested in what we're going to say, because I know that that is going to be crazy. But I think we're going to uh, give you some perspective on this this week that'll still ring out. And by ring out, we're talking about Pusha T. That's T-E-A. And (laughs) Drizzy Drake. Yeah. uh, Who engaged, who finally like came to... To full-on blows, not just subliminals, not just yeah, no. a line here or there, mm-hmm. but a, like a knockdown, drag yes. out, yeah, in the gutter, yeah, it's real now, <laughs> in the home, yeah, we're playing, we're beef. playing for keeps, yeah. Um, so what we want to do today is talk to you about how we got to this point, and through that, we're going to talk about Push T's career and the history of the clips mm-hmm. and how he got to this point, yeah. Um, and we're also going to talk about wh- where the beef started between him and Cash Money. Yes, exactly. And what it all means now and, and uh, what we think of the beef. And what we think of the songs yes. and the cover art and all of the messy, messy drama that we know that you love. Yes. So strap in. Let's get to it. Yeah, so let, let's talk about how we got to this point. Or yeah. Do, is that what you want, you want to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so let's, talk about, let's talk about Pusha T's career. Yeah, because it's like, I think Pusha T is one of the things that's really interesting to me about him is that he is one of those artists that for a certain group of people, like a certain age range that I consider myself in, he is like an absolute legend. And I don't know that he is that for people who are a bit older and a bit younger because we watched the clips kind of struggle with the, the 2000s rap industry mm-hmm. business. They you had know, issues the, with their the label, Jive. Jive. Yeah. Famously referenced on the song, Mr. Me Too. Yeah. So um, so Clips was a, a duo of brothers who are from Virginia. Uh, their first record exclusive audio footage came out in 1999. Not a lot of people know that. They had a single called The Funeral, which has one of the great rap videos of all time, in my opinion. Uh, the rest of the record isn't as strong uh, as their next record, which most people, I think, think of as their first record, which mm-hmm. is called Lord Willing, one of the great rap albums of all time. One of the great rap album covers of all time. Absolutely well. true. Uh, produced entirely by the Neptunes. Um, was just had, had a legendary single called Grinding. You, this, uh, when I lived in Houston... Um, at the lunch table, and I see this reference on Twitter all the time, which just makes me think of like, wow, like global American culture. Sometimes yes, it's just yeah, such yeah. a trip. When I lived in Houston, which at the time was very like, we were very engripped and in the throes of like regional music, mm-hmm. of which there was a lot, and everyone would just like would make beats on the on the table, and people would do that beat with like a pencil and just like beat, n- knock out the 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 notes of that grind and beat yeah it's kind of like that you know that s that's like really angular that everybody draws that was what the grinding beat was for (laughs) lunch tables you know um very true yeah and uh it it, it, yeah top to bottom great record um clips had also at the time had like features on like the justin timberlake record that was the first big look for them yeah and they they i think they won a grammy for that 
Maybe. Um, I'm not sure. They at least got really a lot of money Grammy, for but it. They got that McDonald's money out yes, of that Justin yeah. Timberlake relationship. Yes, that's a fact. Um, so then they, con- you know, that that record dropped what 2003 or 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they didn't have a follow up, and for years. And uh, for people who aren't familiar with like the history of um, record labels in the post Napster years. Uh, as soon as like Napster came out, it just started destroying the industry. And the way the industry reacted was they had no idea what to do. They And, and part of this was that a lot of artists of the 2000s were the casualties. So uh, a lot of people, I think, this is just a little aside, but it's something I think is true. A lot of people think of the 2000s being one of the weakest time periods for rap music of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Like from the year 2000 to year th- 2010, what like... You know, people said that rap music was done. It was over. All this, this is the kind big, of stuff. big narrative of the time. So much so that Nas named an album mm, yeah, "Hip Hop Is Dead." Yeah. Uh, so even like even with the South rising, I think a lot of artists' careers were kind of ruined by like the uh, the just chaos within the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the Clips, their record label changed from. I think they were with Rich- Jive, and then they got then they moved to Arista. Yeah, and then as, no, I think they went from Arista to Jive to Zamba. Or that's something. right. No, that's right. That's and uh, and so you know, part of this was them essentially being shelved because people had no idea what they were doing. In the meantime, the Clips started putting out a mixtape series. It's one of the great mixtape series of all time, called the Reup Gang, with two uh, rappers from Philadelphia. The Cl- who are you know. One of the things we're going to talk about at some point on this podcast is the Philadelphia tradition of rapping. And the clips, I think, are pretty kind of not if necessarily indebted to it. They're influenced by it and and try and work within that tradition. I think they see themselves close to it of this like really technically strong street rap that's really hard. Mm -hmm. And so they had these two guys, Ab Live and Sandman, who are made the re-up gang and they basically took all the popular beats of the time and just destroyed them <laughs> they were so and they and they would they had a pretty wa- wide range of the type of beats that they would go after um and so uh there was a lot of hype especially amongst a certain group of people myself included for their follow-up to lord willing called hell hath no fury mm-hmm which came out eventually and was just another monster record. It's actually one of those. Uh, recently, I was in an office and it was playing, and it it's one of those albums that's actually it's like it's perfect. Yeah, like every absolutely. it's you can play it front to back. Yeah, and every song is outstanding, and the rapping is truly incredible. Like yeah, they have uh, they have the best song about. Home invasions I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's called Chinese New Year. <laughs> the uh, the um, I was such a fan of them at the time that I went and bought it the first day so they could have first day numbers. Wow. Yeah. Let's put some respect on that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember also they they really were that time they were getting the the uh, the hipster white yes. media yes or attention the They're, pitchfork attention I think they might have been the first like pitchfork crossover like what was like street rap street rap coke rap was how what they call, call it. they kind of it wasn't trap music mm-hmm. it was coke rap so Jeezy and and but particularly clips were the this like pitchfork loved them yes it was and it was an interesting time because even that was like 
that 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 has actually created a conversation that still comes up. It's ha- it happened with Chief Keef. Yeah. It happens now. Yeah. With like happened with like Little Yachty and the Young Thugs. It's a conversation that kind of constantly recurs where people artists that have kind of like in quotes street credibility mm-hmm. and have uh, a fan base of people who uh, seemingly grow- lived in the experiences that the rappers are talking about. Yeah. And also have the fans of like hipster urbane white folks mm-hmm. like James and our producer <laughs> Kyle. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> it's like some people, some, for some people, that makes their head explode. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, hard for them absolutely. to understand. So it's interesting that like, clips are like a bellwether. They were like, the, they are among the first groups to actually, because now that's just a part of the way music is. Totally. And I think that is part and parcel of the way that, you know, the post Napster era, the way yeah. that like, culture instead of being regional is just diffuse and everyone has access to everything and i think that's like a a part of that so uh like yeah the mid 2000s um for me like and i think a lot of people clips were up there with little wayne as sort of the two like pinnacles of rap Mm. we were just i knew a lot of people uh some like who were longtime hip-hop fans so a lot definitely this kind of like college kid hipster who fan who just loved clips they thought they were like again like the best rap and again maybe it's sort of almost like a, a continuation of the heights of the 90s sort of mm. carrying the torch of like a R- raekwon and Ghostface, mm. mob deep mm. there's a lot of comparisons mm. to that stuff mm-hmm. so it's interesting you mentioned little wayne because yes. Little Wayne is an, is an integral part of why we are having the week that we're having. Yes. Um, so around this time, almost like in parallel to the clips, maybe really started popping off a little bit just a touch after. Um, Little Wayne was on an unstoppable, incredible run, like the likes of which I feel like still maybe haven't been never. reached. And I we'll never. Th- I don't pro- think so. I don't think we can actually reach the levels where he was just, you know, essentially the most prolific artist in hip hop and releasing just outstanding, outstanding verse. freestyle track. Like he, After verse. Jacking for beats, just yeah. like hopping on other people's songs. Yes. Like he has a line on the, honestly, what I think what most people consider to be the best hip-hop mixtape of all time, The Drought 2. So uh, there, drought, well, drought, drought 3. Drought 3. Drought 3. Drought 3. There's parts 1 and 2 of The Drought yes, 3. Yes, exactly. And he has a song, he has a line where he's like, I can hop on any nigga's song and make a part 2. <laughs> and it's true. And people used to say, like, if you if Wayne does your beat, like yeah. it's no longer your beat, yes. that is Wayne's song now. Yes, absolutely. You know? Uh, and, and he kind of ended. He kind of ended that tradition in hip hop a little bit of of using other people's beats. Like it, it obviously people still do it to this mm-hmm. day, but it was not the same because you couldn't. You just didn't do it as well as he did. This brings us to the Bape Jacket. <laughs> Around this time, I think it was like 2007. Yeah, Little Wayne appeared on the cover of Vibe magazine. Yeah, wearing a Bape Jacket. Yeah. And Pharrell, obviously, has a connection to Nigo, the uh, owner, creator of Bape. And so the clips had been, like, you know, draped in Bape for for a while. Yeah. And when Wayne wore it, it kind of actually kicked the brand off. Like, it sped it to a new stratosphere. Yeah. Because as much as the clips were getting this kind of critical adoration, Wayne was getting the critical and the commercial adoration. Yes. So Wayne was essentially the biggest rapper in the game. Yeah. When he wore something, it actually, it was like, you know, yes, it absolutely. became something. It it was so big that it was like started getting bootlegged within months, basically, as soon as Little Wayne wore it. Mm-hmm. Like the fake bape was like everywhere. It was. It really was. And yeah, and it just be- and it also kind of 
spread it around hip hop. Yes. This is like Soldier Boy when Soldier Boy came out. Yes. You know, I got me some Baby Baby, Baby and Apes. Yes. Yeah. And so it just kind of became a huge thing. And I think that essentially what happened is that Push and Malice felt some type of way about it because they're like, we we're the, actually the ones who brought this to hip hop culture. Yeah. Like you bit our style. And now people are attributing you with being the person that created this style in hip hop, but it actually was us to Wayne, and they actually had some like some subliminal lines at him. Yeah, and they, I mean, they, I think even before that, there was a pusher line where he said, "If he claims king and he claims best, I guess you can call me God." There's none higher, um, which was a sh- kind of a shot at Ti, who said he was the king of the South, uh-huh. and uh, um, Wayne, who said he was the best rapper alive. Yeah. So they take some shots. Yeah. Wayne fires back and is just like essentially like, like, fuck these guys. Yeah. He's like, I'm Lil Wayne. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm Lil Wayne. Yeah. Like, who are the clips? You yeah, know? exactly. And so that kind of like starts this like little back and forth. Nothing, nothing like, I mean, it was never, there's never any real threats seemingly of like, of it taking it out outside of the rap realm just yeah. like being like they did just little like, things it was like it was like like they put Gilly the Kid who was like a guy who had been uh, was a Philly rapper who had claimed that he ghost wrote for Lil Wayne yeah and there's that, a really pernicious rumor around this time that Wayne was having this incredible run that he didn't write his raps yes and uh, you know there were I, I mean I I don't believe it but I do think that Little Wayne stopped rapping like, you know, like a hot boy and started rapping a little bit more like an East Coast, like Philadelphia style rapper at some point. So there was probably some influence of Gilly. I mean, he he obviously like wasn't writing all like it would be impossible for any rapper except Little Wayne to have done all of the incredible rapping that Little Wayne did and writing that goes with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, didn't, he doesn't write. He yeah, right. Was part of it. He just would go in the booth, and there's plenty of footage of him just going into the booth and just freestyling these incredible verses. Yeah. So, around 20, 2011, Pusha dropped a freestyle over the Drake "Dreams Money Can Buy" beat, and has a few lines that sound like that they're about they're about Drake. Essentially, mm-hmm. this this is like this is around the time that Take Care dropped, and this kind of kicks off like a new realm in the the cash money clips beef. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drake didn't respond to it yeah. in, in any notable way. At the time, he still had a policy of not responding to beef. It was it was also a different Drake. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're still in like, after, if you're reading this, it's too late. We're still in like what John Caramonica of the New York Times referred to as tough guy Drake yeah. mode. And we're still, we're still in that era, like buff yeah. Drake. But there was a time that Drake was just a regular schlub. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, and part of his thing was that he's a normal guy, you know, like he's relatable. This might be an aside, but it's deeply uncomfortable for me to look at, at Drake like six years ago. When, like seeing oh, not buff Drake, I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> right. I'm like, how did we ever think this guy was cool? You know, I mean, a lot of people didn't, but it was just like, yeah. it's really jarring. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Drake didn't really respond. And then Pusha took it to another level and released a truly remarkable diss song called Exodus 23-1. Which is also at Lil Wayne, targeted at Lil Wayne. This is true. This is true. It was like kind of a cash money as a whole diss. And talking about a lot of things. Talking about Drake's record, his contract situation. Mm -hmm. um, Just really, and also I feel like really touting his like street bona fides. Like Mm -hmm. the video is like deep in, I think, I believe in, in Virginia, like in a hood. There are like people who look like they're doing drugs in it, and like yeah, it's like one of those. It's like, one of those like, like grimy, real, real life kind of street shit. 
So he releases Exodus 23.1, which is just a really brutal, yeah. brutal diss song, savage even. And um, it's, I mean, it, it, you, you can go back and listen to it. I recommend you do. It's going to be in our show notes. It really, it, it really stands the test of time, too, as being just like a really sinister. It's a good like, song. Vicious. Which is an important. Great song. Important part to it. And uh, it also inspired one of my favorite tweets of all time that I think about, honestly, as much as possible, is a response from Lil Wayne that all it says is, fuck Pusha T and anybody that love him. (laughs) Mm. Still so great. Yeah. I just just can't wait till I have an excuse to say that about somebody. Yeah. I do. I'll say it off here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so after Hell Hath No Fury... um, it felt like kind of like the clips were, you know, the the underground following was starting to translate a little uh, into like a, a bigger like mass appeal. I, the the Reup Gang unfortunately put out this a kind of terrible album on Koch. Koch was like the independent label at the time where you would get more money for a CD, but they didn't really give you much of an album budget. And so like this record, which was very hyped about this group. Uh, had terrible beats. It's one of those things that like just wouldn't happen now, um, and they dissolved because of it. Uh, Ab Liva, who stayed on as a collaborator, Salmon disappeared. Uh, so then uh, they put out "Till the Casket Drops," um, which was their fourth record as Clips, mm-hmm. and it did all, it did all right. It had some cool singles, yep, notably has... one featuring uh, Kanye West. Yes. Called really kind of like, like a big deal. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, it also, it also, album also has a great song with Cameron, popular demand. Yes, a great song. Um, and uh, I remember at the time, um, the some an interviewer asked. I, I mentioned this in the Busy Fake group. An interviewer asked, like Pusha and Malice, "Oh, what do you?" People are saying Kanye kind of renegated you on your own on your own track that kind of got you know he kind and of kills you renegade is a reference to a jay-z and eminem song that nas uh once famously said yeah. about jay-z i was like an eminem murdered you on your own shit yeah which became like to be renegated yes and uh the clips were rather people you know it's sort of a provocative question and clips like took it super smoothly and we're just like well if kanye did it man he's like the hottest rapper in the game right now so that's that's fine that's cool and then like pretty soon after it seemed that you know pusher was getting into the fold but a lot of good music but along also around this time the clips manager and people affiliated with him got busted for like a huge cocaine trafficking charge. Huge, multiple states. Yeah. Uh, manager Anthony Gonzalez was sentenced to 32 years in prison yeah. as, after he admitted that he was the leader of a $20 million drug ring. Yes. And uh, I, re- I remember at the time that uh, my friends and I discovered that Eclipse had a nightclub in Virginia that had terrible reviews and people were just kind of like what is going on with this business it's terribly run why does it exist (laughs) and it it, uh, definitely it shut like at that time Hmm. (laughs) when that bust happened Mm -hmm. Uh, and so part of this was that Malice Pusha T's brother in Clips Mm -hmm. retired from rapping and found God and so Pusha was now a solo artist and he and throughout the kind of his career he teased he, like he said that his 
the power of his solo career, he would say things like, they pray I never go solo. And so it was kind of like, what's the next thing for him? And so him joining Good Music was, you know, it led to Runaway. Yeah. A really amazing song. That was, that was a really smooth way for him to transition into yes, a solo career. Yes, that's perfect. So he had, Pusha has two releases under Good Music. Uh, two, two prior before his new record, Daytona, I should say. Yeah, I think well, so he had the, he had the, he had the first mix, one called Mixtape. He had the Mixtape. Wrath of Cain. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then true. he had the official album, um, which is My Name is My Name. Yes. And then Darkest Before Dawn, I think. Uh, Darkest Before Dawn, the prelude. Yeah. Which is the most recent one. Which was not, which I, I'll be honest, I didn't listen to. I didn't think it was very special, but he does have one really good song with the dream on it. Right, right. Oh, yes. that I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That brings us to his newest album. His newest album, Daytona, which was announced relatively recently yeah. in a rush of tweets. Yeah, by somebody wearing a mag. <laughs> um, so when when Kanye West announced that he was he had this whole slate of good music releases set up for the summer, which included a solo album of his own, a Pusha T album, a Tiana Taylor album, a joint album with Kid Cudi. Um, and a Nas album that yeah. he was like involved in executive producing and pr- doing production on. Most people couldn't tell if this was actually going to happen or if this was another Kanye kind of wilding out, maybe yeah. in a bit of a like going through something yes, and just exactly. saying outlandish things yeah, that he's, he's not going like, to back up, build a city or go to Mars or whatever. Yes, that's right. Me and Elon Musk is me, Elon. <laughs> Donald Trump's there. Valerie Jarrett. We got to bring everyone together. Um, Grimes. <laughs> Grimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then we, we kind of, people didn't really know what to make of it. People got it. We were excited, but we were also kind of like cautiously like, what's going to happen? And then a little while ago, maybe a few weeks ago, Pusha did confirm that this album was coming out. Yes. And so people got really excited. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's recently revealed that they like went to a hideously expensive resort in Utah, and then to another hideously expensive resort in Wyoming, uh, and just like listened to records and just picked out samples and kind of made a, a, a rap, like made like the 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 bougie 2018 version of how like rap records kind of I think used to get made, where a producer would like be just playing records in like a basement and like chopping up samples, and they kind of like build it like that mm-hmm. uh but instead you know at like a some kind of possibly republican retreat <laughs> huh there yeah. it is that's that's that stuff is real by the way the like big big republic i mean i don't know that that they didn't mention the name of it but yeah. like there are these resorts that you go to that are that expensive because they give you like access to these like titans of industry politicians etc wow yeah there's a good remember the good wife had like a thing on that Oh, yes, yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. Yeah, that stuff is, I mean. Huh. That... Bet you didn't think you were going to hear a good wife reference <laughs> on this podcast, did you? Yeah. No, it's, so, you know, I'm just saying, I don't think Kanye would have booked them into a Democrat, one of those. It's true. I don't think the Democrats are rolling deep like that in Wyoming. No, no, I don't think so. Um, so the record comes out. Yes. Came out uh, the 25th of May. Yeah. Which is this past Friday. Yeah. Last Friday. And um, so good. it is a spare, I believe, 21 minutes run, 21 minute runtime, yeah. seven, seven songs. songs, and honestly, just Kanye in his bag. Yes, like Kanye absolutely. doing all of the Kanye the things that you Kanye. grew to love. This is the old, the, the production style of the old Kanye 
in the new Kanye sunken place body. Yes. Yeah, it's um, it is like it is just exactly what you wanted for so long. Like I mean it's it is what I feel like the old Kanye song is kind of referencing. Mm-hmm. Uh just his ability to chop up a sample which is shared by very very few. And and the fact that he can o- he can always do that and make it sound fresh. Whereas, you know, you listen to a, a, a DJ Premier beat in, in 2000 18. It's cool. I like it. You know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. He's a legend, one of the all-time great producers, but it's not like something you necessarily get excited for. But Kanye's sound has kept evolving, and uh, he just can chop a beat like like very few. And you just see that this like just a, such a straightforward, simplistic approach to rap that it's just kind of like the fundamentals. It's just like bringing it back to, to kind of where rap was, mm-hmm. but in, in a very concise manner. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I mean, Pusha has never not been one of the most amazing writers and rappers yes, in the game. Absolutely. Like, I mean, his 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 ability to continually find new and interesting <laughs> ways to, t- to graphically discuss trafficking, trafficking <laughs> purchasing. Purchasing things with the proceeds of said trafficking, yeah. feeling regrets about said trafficking. But not enough to not race down the the, hi- you know, the yeah, highway like, in a Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. While smiling yeah, the supermodel exactly. in the passenger seat. Yeah. Um, and that's what this this album is just just uh, like almost like an ode yeah. to the highest end of coke rap yes. that like I mean, that that's in the game, especially his style. Like, there's a lot of people that talk, rap about the same things as mm-hmm. Pusha. Um, a lot of, like, gangster rappers, street rappers, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, but Pusha does it with a way, in a way that almost calls back, like you were mentioning earlier, to, like, harkens back to this kind of, like, 90s mafioso, almost like the Jay-Z debonair yes. type. Yeah. Like, uh, Jay-Z reasonable doubt era yeah. debonair. It's almost like, it's like, it's like, it's almost like you've taken that kind of rap and you like distill it down to its purest essence and it's like purest most potent form that's what this record feels like and what pushes rapping often at it when it's at its best which is most of the time feels like um i mean you know i'm i remember listening to him in his heyday when i was such a huge fan and you know at the time there was still like the 90s just had such a long shadow over the 2000s and i think a lot of people at the time put it like would put kind of like an asterisk next to the clips saying like yeah they're like the best thing going right now but they still don't really compare to say you know the mob deeps or or the biggies or whatever and like looking back now it's like yeah they really do i mean to yeah. i think like you can absolutely put pusha in with those people and i think for me, also, it's a similar thing to like how when Jay Z put out four 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 last year. There's something just so impressive about like a rapper who's been around for about twenty years, putting out a record that sounds fresh and new, mm-hmm. but still true to their sound. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's really hard to great to age gracefully in hip hop. Yeah. Like rap is no country for old men. Yes. Um, if you look at a lot of the 90, 90s guys who are still around, it's like. There's, I mean, it's not. It's, it's few and far between. Few and har- far between. Yeah. You know, especially these people that are making music that feel like they actually impact the center of hip hop. Yes. And so Pusha, like something like nearly twenty years into his career, mm-hmm. is 
has create has made what will probably stand as one of the best albums of the year. Yes, absolutely. And so it's a huge victory for him. Mm-hmm. And this album features a song called Infrared. Yes. And on this song Infrared, the Drake Pusha, the Cash Money Pusha, like clips Cold War. Yeah. Has been reignited. Yes. It's a hot war now. Yeah. And 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 you know I didn't know I as much as Exodus was like a hot diss song. It, he, he wasn't so direct in the manner of, like, the most intense diss records in rap history. Your No Vaseline, uh, your Ether, mm-hmm. your sh- Sheether. <laughs> <laughs> Never uh, forget. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think a lot of people did. We did immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 a lot of the... It was it was much more of a sort of like flex. Look at like how strong I am musically. Look at how like I can do this tone so well. Listen to all these like thinly veiled threats, mm-hmm. rather than actually like saying anybody's name. You know, whereas on this one, he's so on infrared. He's calling out babies like dirty business and how he's like manipulated Lil Wayne. Uh, it calls out Drake's uh, ghostwriting allegations brings those back up again mm-hmm. um poor quentin miller getting caught in the crossfire yeah. yet again quentin miller who who lost a leg last year yeah jesus like honestly i really yeah. feel for this guy he, he lost his job through something that wasn't his fault yes and like lost the leg and is still like he's like releasing music that no one seems to really care about and it, it, it just it, gets ke- continually dragged back into this beef, yeah. And like ends up taking all these like stray shots, yeah. Like we'll we'll get into it when we talk about. Yes, uh, I mean, like it's he got beat up by Meeks Meeks people. This is true. Uh, you know, it's like he's an interesting thing because he's clearly a capable songwriter. I don't know that he still has like the the magic touch he had once upon a time when he was blessing Drake with those hooks. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, I oh, you should you should I guess mention that he so when when Meek Mill and Drake had their beef, he uh it was because all these like reference tracks had come out related to um, if you're reading this if is you're too, reading late. too late. And I think so the Quentin Miller ones were 10, ten bands. Ten bands. bands. I mean the ones that, that had reference tracks released for, for yeah. were ten, ten bands. bands. Um, and, and know if, yourself. Know your, was it know yourself? Well, if you're running through the six of my woes, is one of the things that Quinn. Oh yeah. Is uh, right. Like I mean, he's on the reference track saying. So yes, that's true. Either he I always, wrote. I don't th- like. I always thought that he didn't write, write that. I because like, why would he like? There's a six in Atlanta. That's that is true. Yeah. Very good Zone point. Six. Damn. The home of the Gucci man. I never thought of. I always thought it was yeah. someone like Devante. Toronto rapper who kind of coined woes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that might have actually come up with that. Uh-huh. Uh, who kind of had a vague like OVO affiliation in the, mm-hmm. sort of a, around this time period. The cousin of Steph Curry, the basketball player. Wow, I yeah. had forgotten about that. Yeah. First, I mean, not to give a f- the full history of Drake's uh, like ghostwriting, yeah. but you know, party next door. Uh, the weekend. All the these weekend. people have been have definitely giving him Magic Jordan. Well, they were featured on the "Hold On, You're, We're Going Home," but it was a yeah, song, yeah. song essentially. You know, the, Drake definitely sort of plum has plumbed concepts and and hooks from other people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I still don't. I, I didn't really care about that that much then because yeah. I, this is a thing that the entire record industry does. Mm-hmm. 
it's like this what? is also something Drake has said in his interview with DJ Semtex yeah. last year. He was like, he's like, if you want, I, like, I can name the people in the in the game who who you don't think have writers but yes. have writers. Absolutely. And they're, he's like, and they're way worse than I've ever been. Yes. And another thing that I feel like should, is worth noting is that like n- many producers and other rappers yeah. have talked about being impressed with Drake's penmanship and yes. seeing him do it in the room with them. Yes. So I feel like that's a really important note. And like people make all these jokes about like, oh, Drake's writers are up all night. Yeah, probably they are. But also Drake is one of those writers. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it just wouldn't... I mean, there are people who are complete, you know, like a, a, who have don't write any of their words. They're just performers. Mm-hmm. They do exist in, the, in the industry. <laughs> yes, for sure. But uh, you know, Drake is a very capable writer himself, and he writes for other people. He writes for other people, which, which is, brings us to the nice segue this. into yes. his response. Mm-hmm. Um, we, before we even get into this, I just want to talk about one amazing Drake writing for other people story, Yeah, which is the story, I don't know if you guys remember this, but a few years ago, there was a story that came out of Miami that apparently like Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, yes, love, brother love, <laughs> uh, punched Drake in a Miami nightclub. Yes. And everyone's like, what happened? Yeah. People were like, was Drake trying to holler at Cassie? Yeah. Everyone was like, what was the deal? Yeah. And then eventually came out later that what happened was... Boy Wanda, Boy Wanda had made the beat for the song that turned into Zero to One Hundred. Yeah, it was for, it was initially for Diddy. Yeah, Diddy sent the beat to Drake so Drake could write Diddy's verse for it. Yes, but then Drake liked the song so much that he just kept the song. Yeah, and, and put it. it out. Yeah. And so, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is like actually so savage in a way that I find almost admirable. It's, it's like it's, it's so funny. It's yeah, it's also great when you're like too um, like rap stars act exactly in the way that you think in a given circumstance like what would be like a hypothetical situation where Puff Daddy and Drake get into a disagreement it's like oh Drake was being petty about like wanting to keep the song so did he just punched him in the face <laughs> it's like it's like Drake kept it he yes, did it he yeah. like he, he like absconded with the track yeah you he know? ran away with it um, so anyway yeah which also is like don't fuck with Puff Daddy yeah yeah, I mean they're they're all good. They're good. They're friends again, yes. so everything's good. It's yeah. been some time. Yeah, but hilarious story <laughs> yes. about Drake writing <laughs> That's for people. So, good. Um, so speaking of Drake writing for people, yeah. After Pusha's shots on the album Daytona, yeah. Literally the same day that the yes. album was released, yeah. At six o'clock, yeah. So like eighteen hours later, yeah. Drake releases a song, yeah, addressing all of that, addressing all of it, called, called Duppy. The Duppy Freestyle. Duppy Freestyle. And honestly, this thing went off like an explosion. Yes. Like I remember when I saw when I saw him, I I saw him put the put the Instagram post up. I went to the SoundCloud, I listened to the song, and like my mouth was agape. Yeah. And uh, those of you that are in the one of the online communities we run, the Boosie Fade, the group, they you saw like the thread. It just blew up. Yeah. There was like multiple threads. It was like th- there was a, a certain there was a a kind of excitement that I feel like I haven't felt, like a communal excitement mm-hmm. around a singular musical subject that I hadn't felt. I can't probably I, since last Drake record. Yeah, probably since the last Drake record. And more life. Yeah, yeah, since more life. Yeah. When, yeah. On OVO sound radio. Yeah, it, and everyone was just like freaking out, you know, like because Drake uh, talks extensively about writing for Kanye with yes. a lot of different, like clever double entendre, like yeah. really, really, really good rapping on yeah. the song, really good writing on the song. Yeah. Um. And he takes shots at at Pusha, yeah. And he 
essentially questions Pusha's street bona fides, saying yes. he's like quoting uh, his brother Malice, yeah. no Malice, from a DJ Vlad interview that yeah. said that it was him and then the manager, and they, that and then it was Push yeah in terms and of like they, yeah exactly they, they it was there was even there's even some Dre it's some old clips lyrics that are kind of like Malice talking about how he tried to keep his little brother Terrence out right. of it that's right. Um, so it was kind of, and and I you know I I've I've also heard that a few like a, a few different times in different eras that like clips like sold drugs for three months or some people say things like that you uh-huh. know I mean I mean I, I will say that I've also heard I've heard from these people I mean in the music industry the opposite yeah okay yeah and I, I again I so I, it's 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 hard to it's hard to verify any of this but one thing I will say. That despite like what Drake is saying about Pusha, yeah. like personally, if he's like questioning Pusha's street bona fides, like that doesn't hold any weight to me. Yeah. Like it's not a real thing, you yeah. know. It's just like it's like when when Drake says on the uh, he says, has this line on the out um, the record where he says you're not even top five on your label, yeah. which is just a hilarious insult because it's so hyperbolic and just not true. Yes, it's like absolutely. designers better than you, yeah. Mister Hudson is he still around? He's better than you. <laughs> yeah, GL- GLC, GLC, he's been working on that record for really like dope. fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like going down the, yeah. the roster. Yeah. Um, Casey Hill. Yeah. I know none of you know who that is. Um, Drake, Drake, because to me, this is this is the thing about Drake questioning Push's street bona fides is like he's saying that it's like it was your brother and your manager. Yeah. It's Push's brother and manager. Like I've always looked at hip hop as like if you're in the room, you might as well be doing it. Even if you're not the one doing it, it's it's as though you did it. You I, know, I so, mean, as far as the law is concerned, it's the same thing. It's just, There you go. James, married to a lawyer, yes. dropping legal facts here. Yeah, so. You got a good wife reference. You got you learned a little about the law. <laughs> we got much more to go. It's true. It's you never true. know what you're gonna get here. Yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So this this song drops yeah. like a huge bomb. Yeah. Everyone freaks out. Yeah. Myself included. And we were all like, "Oh my God, Pusha is done." Yeah. Like Drake finished Pusha. Yeah. Can you believe it? Like this is like don't play with the boy. Everyone yeah. is like a lot, of, especially a lot of people in Toronto. I think a lot of like Drake fans in general, they were getting into their bag. They were like, yeah. you can't mess with this guy. Yeah. It's like, didn't you learn from Meek Mill? Yeah. You know, Meek Mill's still recovering from that. Yeah. You know? Um and so yeah, it seemed it seemed like Pusha was down for the count. So much so that he even respond like Drake had referenced referenced the fact that him releasing this diss track was going to add another 20K to push his first week sales. Which is one of the better lines in it. Really, really great line. And then Pusha retweeted the song um, on, I don't know if he retweeted the song or an unrelated tweet. Yeah. And and he said, send the invoice. Yeah. And then within the hour, I think, there was an invoice set up of Drake sending a $100,000 invoice for promotion and career reviving to Pusha T's manager, Stephen Victor. Yeah. And on, on an OVO letterhead. Yeah. It was just just like that that extra le- layer of of understanding the internet and social media and just the news, the, the hip hop media news cycle. Yes. To a T, which Drake showed with back to back when he sent when he sent bottles to Charlemagne the morning after he's like he said yes. that he might do that. Yeah. So it's just like a Drake Drake is a very savvy strategist. Yeah. But maybe not as savvy as Pusha T. Well, yeah. One of the things that I don't think I uh, anticipated or really even understood is how much people love juice. 
They love gossip. They love seeing someone get exposed. It doesn't matter how high up they put that person as far as like celebrities go, but seeing people get caught out there is just a particular pleasure that people love almost as much as anything. No, it's true. And I like that you called it juice and not tea. Yeah. Or I guess they're interchangeable. I think they're interchangeable. Juice, was, juice is a good one. Yeah, it's like kind of an older term. I, I, you, you know, sometimes I feel like people <laughs> like to you know overplay those terms a little bit. Uh-huh. So, you oh know, man, like tea is never not going to be funny. No, to it's me. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. It's yeah, good yeah. to mix in you know some older slang a little bit. It's true. It's true. Shout out to the old heads, man. Yeah. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, guys. Exactly. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Do you want to talk about about Push's response? <laughs> I don't even know if I want to talk about it. I it, do want to talk about it's, it. It's um, vicious. It's vicious. First of all, let's talk about what the cover is. Yes. So the cover is photos that, as far as I can tell and remember, have previously not been seen of Drake. No, certainly not so. in the last. No, definitely not. Not since he's become definitely not a worldwide global pop star. Yes. But it's Drake. Uh, but in blackface. Yes. Um, and wow, it was really it's very effective. Really, really jarring to see. Yes. Uh, Drake in blackface. It's jarring to see anyone in blackface. Yes. Particularly drawing, draw because the thing, the whole thing with Drake, and the whole thing that I feel like this has been the case since the minute he's been in the game until now is that Drake and OVO move with such a swiftness and under the radar when they want to be under the radar mm-hmm. and very carefully, very powerfully seem able to quell any negative stories about them. Yes. And, I mean, he he survived a ghostwriting allegation, which before, before in hip-hop would essentially end your career yeah. for a certain for artists of a certain type, especially the type that Drake is. Mm-hmm. But he made ghostwriting conversations essentially irrelevant almost. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the blackface thing is really... Honestly, it's a really interesting lane for Pusha to attack Drake on because it brings up, it brings, it calls to question uh, something that Drake hasn't really talked about a lot, which is his identity. And it's something that's like really tied to, I feel like it's tied to, it's tied in large part to his success. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he, he's, he's a great artist, but Drake being a biracial, um, you know, half black, half Jewish artist is also extremely beneficial to his career in a way that many other rappers just don't have the opportunities afforded to Drake because like whether it's like mainstream feel the mainstream proximity that people feel towards him but it's just like it's kind of it's given Drake a a leg up and it's not something that he's ever talked about really although recently in Diplomatic Immunity which was released with uh in the scary hours package when he (laughs) with uh, God's plan uh, earlier this year, he has a line where he's like, black excellence, but I guess it's not the same when it comes to me, though. Yeah. Where he sounded like he was a little, like, upset that people don't, they don't necessarily, it's almost like he sounded like, he felt like people don't hold him up in a way as, like, a black success story as they hold up, like, a, let's say, a Kendrick Lamar. Yes. Or J. Cole, who's also biracial. Yes. You know? I mean, and, and there have been people who sort of have called out Drake on his blackness, sometimes very, like, in very sus manners yes very much so um that's like that that actually has been going on for quite a long time even before this sort of like ghost writing stuff and Mm -hmm. all that kind of thing so pusha like attacking this head-on is going combined with drake's reluctant i don't know about kind of reluctance to talk about it not that he has to but it's just like it's just something that never 
that has never come up for him. And it's it's pr- obviously something that probably plays an important role in his life. And I'm sure how he thinks about himself. So this is like Pusha finding what he suspects is a weakness about Drake, mm-hmm. c- combining it with like the the cultural moment where conversations like this are happening all the time. You're looking at the news media and you're seeing college kids and fraternities and blackface and yeah. there's a t- Twitter uproar and yeah. we're, we're trying to get people kicked out of school and all that. Yeah. Uh, and he he kind of, he he brings it to the forefront in a really, honestly, truly masterful stroke. Yes, very strategic. <laughs> very strong. Sun Tzu. Yeah. Very, I just read the 48 Laws of Power. It, it's, it's very <laughs> reminiscent of when um, Jay-Z put Prodigy's picture up on the Summer Jam screen. It's, you know, he basically mm-hmm. implying that he was a ballerina. So in, in 2001, Jay-Z was in a beef with Prodigy, one of the rappers from Knob Deep. And uh, he debuted his diss to Mob Deep at Summer Jam. Which is the big hip-hop festival hosted by the radio station Hot 97. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and he said, we got, I, he said, you heard you were a ballerino. We've got the pictures of Senior. And put a picture of Prodigy in just like some like like outfit as a kid. It was really, like nine years old. It's or like really actually a pretty illegitimate thing, but it re- really completely is. innocuous, honestly. Yeah, but it it was it like the legend of it yes. because not very. It was kind of early days internet. Mm. People didn't necessarily see it. Mm-hmm. It was like Prodigy is a fake gangster, and he was actually he was a, ballerina a ballerina when he was nine. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like it was. It I, worked at the it time. Worked. It worked. <laughs> we, it absolutely. People worked. did not question it any further. We're yes. like, hey, there it is. He was a ballerina when he was nine. <laughs> like, I cannot be a gangster. <laughs> Now that he's 23, yeah, or like, yeah, exactly, probably in his 30s at that point. But yeah. so, anyway, so that's anyway. that's just to start. That's it's just, just the start. image, just, the just image, to yeah. start. Yeah. And then the song, which is done over the famous uh, Jay Z beat from 444 story yeah. of OJ, yeah. is called the story of Adidon. Yeah, Adidon. 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 And <laughs> once again, which is also just push up playing with the. With the with the the most famous line from this the story of OJ the Jay Z song is like I'm not black I'm OJ yeah and he's like okay yeah and so Pusha doesn't say this in the song yeah. but is essentially drawing a parallel with with OJ Simpson's comments about yes. himself yeah and Drake as a as a person yes which once again <sighs> oof yeah and then because it's subtext too it's so deep that is deep yeah and. And the song gets it gets it just gets more brutal from there. Yeah, the whole thing with 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 Pusha going for this, you know, taking an aluminum baseball bat and swinging for the head. Yeah, you know, really trying to. This is like a knockout blow. Yeah, I think a lot of it's this this kind of vitriol and oppo research <laughs> yeah. stems from. Drake referencing Pusha's fiance by name yes. on the Duppy Freestyle. It's a throwaway line. He didn't really say anything derogatory about her. It was just kind of showing that he like was kind of willing to go there. Uh-huh. So it was uh-huh. like an allusion to uh-huh. like making this more personal, basically. Uh-huh. That was really all it was. It wasn't, I would say, an actual insult or anything offensive. It was kind of like, your mama. Like, it was no. basically that. It wasn't like, and she's this. It's, it was to me. It was like a, it was actually kind of a weaker part of the song. Like, oh, he's got a fiance. Like, <laughs> he should be so offended <laughs> that he's in a like a serious commitment. Uh huh. You know. Um, <laughs> open Pandora's box. Yes. Uh, so yeah, because for because for Pusha, he was like, oh, okay. He's like, we oh, can make talk, it personal. Families. Yeah, okay. Make it personal. Yeah, and personal. He did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. Yeah. Talks about Drake's identity. 
has Drake in blackface, which already just the image alone has already got people like in a tizzy. Yes. And it, then it'll last too. It's... Proceeds to sp- <laughs> insult Drake's mother. Yes. Ins- insult Drake's father. Yes. Insult Forty Noah Shabib. Yes. Yeah, so uh, talk about so he's about to die because Forty has, has MS. MS. Um, and Pusha references his health conditions yes. and, sa- and essentially says, "How long does he have to live?" Yeah. Which is brutal. I didn't personally, I didn't really like that line. So, okay. I didn't like it either. And then I thought about, I thought about beefs and there was a recent beef, uh, like one of my favorite beefs or at least not maybe my favorite, but one of the most interesting beefs to me and one of the most interesting beef songs to me is a song by Gucci Mane called Truth, which came out, I think in 2013 or 2012. And this is like a similar situation with uh, Drake and Pusha where there's like, they had like a a beef. Well, the whole story with put Gucci and Jeezy is that it's a huge. I mean, it's a long. It is. A it's a long story. I'll cliff notes as much as possible. In 2006, they released a song together called "So Icy." Uh, Jeezy had been signed to was signed to Bad Boy as a part of a group called Boys in the Hood. Yes, and he was also signed to Def Jam as a solo artist. And the song was a huge hit in Atlanta and nationally. Jeezy went to Gucci and was saying, "This song is a hit because I'm popping right now. Yeah. Give me the song for my album." Yeah, and Gucci was like. That's not what we agreed to. I will not do that. Yeah. And that kind of kicked off a beef. Yeah. Jeezy eventually put a bounty on one of Gucci Mane's chains on the end of yeah. a song. Yes. And then at some point, uh, a little while later, Gucci Mane was set up. Yeah. Like he went back. He was like. We went back home with a strip. With a dancer. Yeah, with a dance, uh, An exotic dancer. Yeah. And when he got back to her place, a bunch of goons ran out in ski masks and brass knuckles and tried to rob him. Yeah. And he fought. he fought back. Eventually got to a gun and shot and killed one of them. Yes. And they found the guy's body a few days later, like, near a school. Gucci was arrested, but then released because it was a self-defense case. Yeah. So that's, like, what kicked off their beef. Then, like, they they took shots at each other for a little while, but then kind of stopped, and they both existed in different parts of the music industry. But, like, you know, not friends and definitely still enemies, but kind of distant enemies. Yeah. Then their beef was rekindled. Yes. Gucci releases the song. In the song called "The Truth," he references killing this guy. Like, I also should mention that the person, the body that, that was found, turned out to be a person who had connections to Young Jeezy. Yeah. So it was very, it was pretty. You could draw a line, yeah, yeah. maybe not legally, but you could sort of, you know, yes. intuit that maybe this was related to the bounty. Yeah. And in the song, he has a line where he's like, "Go dig your partner up, homie," but he can't say shit. And he's like, if you're looking for me, I'll be in the zone Damn. six. And I remember when I watched, I, this is like yeah. peak Gucci frightening times. This yes. is like when he did that interview he, on The Breakfast Club and yeah, everyone is visibly terrified. Having an episode. What's that? He was like having an episode. Basically. He was. He yeah. was. And so the video is really ominous and really terrifying. And I mean, now I can think, look back and I'm like, oh, maybe that wasn't in good taste. But for, for pure narrative yeah. of everything, I was just so like enthralled by that moment. No. So this is what I was thinking of when I was thinking of this MS thing. Yeah, yeah. Is that... You know, like rap beef is ugly. Yeah, it is. Like, and I'm, it's you can you can disagree with the tactics. Yeah, but it's like I mean, there's two approaches, right? You can either try and just say the most like foul, outrageous shit as possible, or you can kind of like swagger on a beat and make them like look inferior to you, which is like what Drake did with Back to Back, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what like Jay Z did with Takeover, but not what he did with Super Ugly in his beef with Nas. So like he, you know, you can either go to the approach of making it really, really personal and like, 
you know, trying to hurt them that way, or you can just kind of make them look irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like with this, like Pusha is going the approach that uh, is often taken of like trying to air someone out, expose them, and like you know, it's, it's kind of destroy his career by making him look so whack and like inferior to Pusha mm-hmm. that uh, you know he can't come back from it. And yeah, it's like it's a pretty big. So yeah, I mean, this is like that's like I think what caused a lot of like the consternation around this song. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone is just super into the tea. Yeah. And another big part of another big serving of this tea. <laughs> yes. Is the fact or ale- allegation? It's an allegation. The allegation. I think it's an allegation. It's an alleged that Drake um, allegedly is the father of a child. Yes. With um, an adult film star. Yeah. Um, named Sophie. Yes. And this came out, I like, I believe, like a year over a year ago. Yeah, maybe over a year ago. Yeah. And I remember, I think, if I recall correctly, Drake's camp kind of like, like put denied it, it. Yeah, put it to bed. And yeah, put it to bed, and then it sort of disappeared, and people kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Which I think for a lot of people just led the, if they ever thought about it, it's like, oh, it just wasn't true. Yes. You know, and so what Pusha was saying. And what he said on the Breakfast Club this morning, mm-hmm. uh, it's Wednesday, is that he is that apparently Drake knows he's the father of his kid, has his kid, and was gonna introduce this child as a part of the rollout <laughs> of his new <laughs> collaboration with Adidas. Which, wow, yeah, the laughter—it's I mean, like that um, is the the drakiest thing possible. It's so to turn, like ridiculous. he's like, you know what? I have a kid. I can't just let the kid come out all willy nilly. I can't just <laughs> I can't just show up. You know, in public, walking around with the kid, I gotta debut it when the new Adidas, the new Drake OVO Adidas shoes the, drop. The Adidas, <laughs> the, the Adidas, because he's named Adonis. Allegedly, allegedly, the, the, the title is named Adonis. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that is a lot, Pusha. Yes. Like, who do you, do you got? Veronica Mars working for you? Yeah. Like, what kind of <laughs> private investigators? And like you know, Roger Stone. I was, yeah. I'm just I'm thinking. I'm like I'm trying to think of like who he had, who who he who did Pusha have this to is... dig up this kind of stuff on Drake that literally no one else yeah had had brought up. Like he, there's, there's this hilarious like theme. Well, to me, hilarious theme because uh, Pusha campaign for Hillary Clinton and there's this like theme on like some of the songs on Daytona where he talks about the Russian investigation and kind of makes like metaphors based off of it uh-huh. and so there's this like kind of hilarious idea that Mueller uh, while <laughs> investigating Trump is also investigating Aubrey <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like maybe those connections you know that he made on the campaign trail for Hillary coming in uh, it's pretty good pretty oh good. man good so this song, uh, as of this recording, which is Wednesday, yeah. dropped yesterday? Yesterday. Feels like it's been out for weeks. Yes. It's, uh, this, I mean, everyone is, I think everyone is just like collectively stunned more than anything. Yeah. Because if it feels- He took it to another level. He took it to another level, took it to a new low, took it to a new heights. Yeah. And I think that it's like, you know, I was listening to The Breakfast Club this morning, Pusha called in, yeah. and- Charlemagne was saying he was like he's like I think Drake has to not respond to this. That's yeah. the only way that he can come out looking okay. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, like some of this stuff, there's a lot of people who are like Drake's got to answer for this blackface thing. Yeah. It's just a lot. There's a lot, and like the whole thing of like Drake 
having this kid that he's been hiding yeah. for some time also kind of attacks like Drake's in quotes good guy reputation. Yes. And like he's a nice guy. He's like yeah. the kind of guy that you could take home to meet the family. Yeah. And this kind of like, you know, in some in some ways it like, kind of decimates that. Yes. And it just this really I mean depending and maybe by the time this release Drake will have released a response, response but yeah. but unless his response is I think regardless of what happens unless yeah. unless his response is like a super smash song that you can play in clubs yes. and makes you kind of disregard yes. the fact or the things that pushes alleging here like this I think causes like a change a shift in how the public will view Drake yes probably forever I think so. I mean, the me- even the Meek beef did it. Like, there was. I think the Meek situation was ultimately a W for Drake, but it still did change his, the perception of him a little bit. It's true. This I think will maybe change it more. I okay. So I'm not. I'm on the position that I think Drake can come back from this. Uh, for like, but in a particular way. I mean, first of all. OVO has maybe not as many resources as, as the FBI, but they they've got they got uh, plenty of resources. Pusha has said he said today in, a, in an act that I think could be hubris that he has no skeletons in his closet. Every famous person has skeletons in their closet. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Now, whether people would care as much about Pusha's skeletons is the question. I was like, Drake has to talk to, to Push's ex-girlfriends, yes. find out his kinks, and kink shaming. <laughs> yeah. That is like the only thing. Yeah. But then the problem, but can Drake go there? Because, you know, we, people have been talking about Drake's kinks. <laughs> like, I don't know that he can lose, like that's you a bad one. Yeah. Pusha, Pusha has said that he has more, he has more, on, on more, more tea on yeah. Drake, more yeah. things that people don't know about him, yeah. and he's ready to go whenever. So that's also another reason why I mean, it might behoove Drake. I think when, when when Drake responded, it was kind of like, "Whoa!" Like that's how you deal with someone who's threatened you. You just like punch him in the mouth. Yeah. And now you see why sometimes you maybe not you don't punch the person. In yeah, the mouth exactly. You just seems scarier. People walking. Yeah. Uh, so I think Drake can come back. So one of the big problems with this freestyle is that it is a freestyle. It's on someone else's beat, which means that the shelf life of it is less than it would otherwise be. And I think that if if Pusha had put this over an original Kanye production, uh, like one of the scraps from their sessions or whatever, that would have done a lot more for it. It's a still, it's a great beat. Um, but I think that if you look at the history of rap beefs, the tracks that last are the ones that are original in that way. Um, so I think, I think that like Drake... Uh, has to find out something on has to get something on Pusha that's better than you didn't sell that many mm-hmm. drugs mm-hmm. Uh, he has or, or you're not that famous you know like those <laughs> yeah. don't really hit very close to home there has to be something that's closer to the bone something I don't know what so he has to have that and he has to make it a fucking banger yeah. he has to take out one of the verses from a song that he's got for Scorpion <laughs> that is otherwise like a, just going to be a huge song and just put in something really cutting and low. But I mean, the problem part of the problem is that Drake can't really, with his image, go as low. He has to make keep it's it witty, true. and true. he had like this somehow has to get like an insult in the similar vein of back to back that like sticks in your head, mm-hmm. rather not for its cruelty or it's like 
viciousness, but for its kind of catchiness because it's clever, that kind of thing. And and whether Pusha has that to like t- t- a place to take it to, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that he does. I mean, maybe, but I think I don't. Here's the one thing I'll say. I think that it's unfair when it's sort of been like Pusha took shots at Drake. Jake responded directly to those shots. I don't think you can necessarily count Drake out unless Drake counts himself out at this point as of when this is recorded. Now, if he doesn't respond, that might be the that might be the wisest choice. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you think that Drake do you think Drake has to rework Scorpion to reference or just in light of this whether it's either to reference Pusha directly yeah. or to like maybe change the, the tone and maybe remove some songs or they're too um happy? Personally, um I, he, I think he could go either way. Depends on what the strategy of responding to this is. If he doesn't respond, don't change anything. Just make it the best product you can and just hope that you dominate the summer and nobody remembers this. Uh, if you're responding to it, then I think that's got to be part of his greater narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it could go either way. I, could, I mean, Drake probably can't delay it, I would say. He probably mm-hmm. can't delay the record because that just adds... To the, to the it's feet. like it pushed your pushed your whole summer back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So mm-hmm. that that's my opinion. I don't know what do you think. I mean, I think that Drake absolutely has to respond. There's no yeah. way that he can't respond. I, I this agree. is it's it's the the blows levied are so devastating. The line about forty is yeah, you can't borderline disgusting. You can't be having You can't like allow this to happen. Yeah, because as much as Drake earned some stripes by taking down Meek Mill. Probably earned even more stripes by coming at Pusha like this. Yes, he would be stripped of all those stripes yeah. if, if he let Pusha bury him like this and yeah. didn't respond. In, and I'm going to be honest, I uh, I have re- like this record rekindled my love with Pusha. As I've mentioned, I've been a big fan of Pusha. I think that that diss record is a, is a great example of like a vicious uh, attack and and how to approach that in a similar style of. Of, it's like part of a long tradition of of vicious di- disraps, but I actually didn't feel like it was a knockout blow. And I felt I, I said on the Boozy Fade uh, group that it um, that I felt like it was a tie. And I I, I want to qualify why I said that because I felt like Drake handled the first round of it, which was infrared. Uh, responded to that like perfectly. He responded to it quickly. He was clever about it. It was like in such a way that you, you can't really like the idea that he was like cracking a whip over his ghostwriters being like, I need this verse by six o'clock uh, mm-hmm. just didn't seem likely. It, it really was like it it kind of closed the, that wound. Now Pusha has like put put out all these new shots that have opened new wounds. I don't like Drake is yet undefeated. And I just am skeptical that he won't somehow manage to to respond in a way that like as much as as much as uh pusha has been incredibly strategic and obviously had lots of ammo when he like said this i think that uh i think that drake has got has got stuff too i really think that whatever it is it might not be like as intense dirt but like ovo doesn't doesn't do things without planning of several steps ahead okay so that sort of wraps up what we have to say about yeah the Drake Kanye push a T kerfuffle to be continued. To be continued. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so we just want to say thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all the people that have sent us text messages and Facebook messages and Twitter DMs and yeah, emails talking so, about the podcast. So encouraging, so it's great. really really great to hear from you and yeah. to hear that you're enjoying the podcast. I'm hearing from we got listeners in Germany, we got listeners in Amsterdam, we got listeners in the UK, in the in US, Japan. got someone in Japan, big in Japan, big in Japan. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. It means so much to us that getting that good feedback. If you can. Find the time to subscribe, give us a review on iTunes, uh, tell a friend about it. it. It really means so much to us. Um, you know, this is it's this podcast is pretty young and it's gone so well so far. The reception has just been so great. So if you you know help spread that love, we've uh, we've got some really good stuff coming up. I'm really excited about it. It's sort of, it's like a it's a great time to have started a music podcast because like the next month is going to be crazy. Uh, we got Kanye this Friday. Uh, ASAP Rocky's ASAP album. Rocky album. We didn't even talk week. about today. Yeah. It was like we had way too much to cover. Uh, that album, I think, is a grower anyway. I was listening to it today, and it's just like there's a lot to talk about there in and of itself. So mm-hmm. we, we want to, we're going to get to it in, in time. Mm-hmm. And in the next few weeks, we're going to have our first deep dive episode where we're going to talk about kind of the tradition of Philadelphia rap as we reference it a bit in this episode. Yeah. And, and, and Philadelphia rap through the prism of Meek Mill. Yeah. Uh, who's, and his career arc of just the up and down and up again nature of it. Yeah. You know, we kind of mentioned him in our intro episode as someone who, you know, Jordan and I have had a bond over, mm-hmm. uh, forged our bond over and, and uh, I think that's going to be really great. We've also got a contest this week uh, from uh, a benefactor has donated a couple tickets to Vink Bensa at the Opera House on June 8th. Um, so, you know, oftentimes we as Boozy Fade have run contests with people uh, to promote, you know, help promote a, a show coming out and something like that, get back to the community a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time, you know, we want to get back to uh, a charity that we really uh, like a lot called Sistering. Um, so if you could donate the va- approximate value, face value of, or however much, if you want to donate more, you know, that'd mm-hmm. be awesome too, to Sistering. We're, we'll put a link up when we post the pod. Or uh, if you, you know, if you're like an early bird and you get to it before the post and send us that image, these tickets could be yours. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think you, face value is around $40. $40. If you want, yeah, $40, $50, something in, in that range. Uh, if you, um, yeah, if you could take a screen cap of you, the, the donation confirmation screen, and send it to us, uh, you know, however however you want to do it, just send us some proof that shows that you donated this money, uh, that would be really great. You know, Sistering is like an amazing charity that helps uh, women who, you know, surviving abuse and, and otherwise situations who just need immediate help. And uh, we've, we've supported them in the past and... And we're, you know, we're about it. So that would mean a lot. So for our uh, four songs this week, because we only really, uh, we didn't like talk about a bunch of different albums, we're going to kind of give you an old clip song, a uh, old Little Wayne song, a new song off the Pusher record. And then it, as our, it's our weekly tradition, a song that we're feeling this week. Uh, for me, my um, old clip song is Young Boy off Lord Willen, sort of a funky Neptune's uh, number, which is like a, a great pocket for them. Little Wayne's Let the Beat Build, a Kanye West beat off the much hyped Carter 3. Uh, off Daytona, pushes new release. I'm going with Santeria, just by the logic that I like all the songs equally because they're all similar and all great. 
Um, my song of the week is by a new rapper uh, or newish rapper named St. John. Uh, the song is called I Heard You Got Too Lit Last Night, uh, which is a, a great, it's a great hook. It's just super catchy. It's been stuck in my head for uh, a few days now. So, yeah, that's that. If you were at Boozy Fade, uh, it's, you know, fourth anniversary, I think I did play it, I think, at some point. Um, so shout out to anybody who was there because that was a legendary party. It was indeed. Um, so my songs are, my clip song is a song I mentioned earlier, Chinese New Year. Uh, just really incredible storytelling and some good stone-faced humor mm-hmm. in it. Um, my little Wayne song is off the Carter Two Hustler music. Really a classic mm-hmm. Wayne song. I think the, he wore the bape in the video he for it. He wore the bape in the video. Yeah. He wore the bape in the video for it. Um, my Pusha T song is If You Know, You Know. And if you know, you know yeah. why. Yeah. Um, and I think my song of the week is by an artist from Chicago named Juice World, mm. uh, who's laughter last week talking about just the influence of emo on yeah. hip hop right now. If you want to find somebody who's really taking it to new frontiers, and I feel like could be the breakout. He, he's a, he could be the breakout. Yeah. And uh, there's a few people doing it. Like Little Skies has some stuff that's like pretty good. But Juice World feels like a new thing, and it feels like a new lane, like an even like finer subgenre of yes. the subgenre. Yeah. And the song is called Lucid Dreams, so mm. check that out. Um, thanks again for listening. Yeah. Please continue to rate, subscribe, and review. We yes. appreciate it. Our numbers are growing. Yeah. Our listeners are growing. We're getting messages from people all over the world. We want to keep that up. So until next week, Yes. stay safe. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>